Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. It has been estimated by the World Health Organization that as many as 55 million people worldwide suffer from dementia, which results from a variety of diseases and injuries that affect the brain. Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia and may contribute to 60 to 70 percent of cases. Today in the program, we're going to talk about the use of cannabis in the treatment of dementia and Alzheimer's. And joining us from Los Angeles are Chella and Dave Conan, who have worked in the TV and film industry in Hollywood for 25 years and now work to improve the lives of older people experiencing debilitating illness through CBD and medical cannabis education. Thanks for joining us, guys. We greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Now, what sparked your interest in the use of cannabis for dementia and Alzheimer's? Well, my mom had uh, lived with dementia for nearly a decade. Uh, She was diagnosed in 2010, and the doctor told us very sternly, oh, no, she can't use marijuana. It's bad for her memory. And at the time, the only thing I knew about Alzheimer's was that it's bad for your memory. And I'm like, "Hmm, I'm not really sure how that works. But, you know, I didn't know anything about any of it. And they put her on all these very, very strong drugs um, they're technically called black box drugs because they have a black box around them on the package that says not intended for elderly dementia patients can cause sudden death. Hmm. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, I had to literally sign my mom's life away every time I picked up her prescription. And, you know, we were willing to go with that as long as they were helpful but the drugs weren't very helpful. You know, they helped for a very short period of time. And then we started getting all of the negative, unwanted effects of those drugs, like dizziness and falling and, you know, some really complicated things that caused a lot of trauma. And my mom had fallen five times in three weeks and then would not get out of bed. So I ended up taking family leave and I was off of work and I was in her room smoking a joint and Mm -hmm. doing the drug drug interactions with the drugs that she was on with cannabis. And I was checking them and I'm like, it doesn't seem like there's a bad thing here. So I called her new doctor and her new doctor said, I asked her, I said, Hey, you know, my mom wants some of this joint. Cause my mom did, she asked for it. And, and, um, the doctor says, Hey, give her anything she wants. She's not getting out of bed. So I'm like, okay, great. So I smoked a joint with my mom and halfway through the joint, my mom says, let's go watch TV in the living room. Wow. And so that's what we did. We got up and we went to the living room and Um, Unfortunately, as some folks may know, inhaling or smoking only lasts a short period of time. The effects, the beneficial effects only last, um, you know, about an hour at the most. Um, Peak effects happen in about 10 minutes or so. So my mom was good for about maybe half an hour and then she was kind of a mess again and she wouldn't smoke more. So I needed to figure out how to do this better. So I went to the local dispensary that had been involved in a lot of the medical cannabis activism in California. 
And, um, and this was all prior to Prop 64. So it exactly. was the, under the old medical system and, um, you know, had some nice, good medically focused uh, dispensaries in mm -hmm. West Hollywood Yes, mm -hmm. uh, that we were able to find. Uh, an olive oil, literally a bottle of Bertoli olive oil that yes. said THC infused on the side. Right. Uh, no idea how much was in it. No idea. Uh, <laughs> no tested, nothing, but we yeah. bought that bottle of oil for 70 bucks or however yeah. much it was. Yeah. It was reasonably priced compared to the teeny tiny tincture for a hundred dollars. You know, I couldn't, this is medicine. We're using it three, four times a day. We need, we need something that's affordable, you know? Yeah. So and it was, uh, you know, hit and miss. We'd try to, you know, a few te teaspoons in a shake that we would give her every three times a day, a coconut oil shake. Um, and sometimes there was a little too much and she would mm -hmm. sleep a little bit, Have but you know, we had to, had to find our dose, but eventually we were able to, uh, um, you know, use what was available at the time. Uh, and then of course everything changed when prop 64 came in and now we have, and, and at the end of uh, at the end of the journey, we really started to have more regulated products mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. were available, which what, what we have now in California is yeah. uh, well tested and regulated. And um, as she was passing, um, she was on a lot of morphine. This was many years later. Mm -hmm. um, she was on a lot of morphine as she was passing. She was actually dying of aspiration pneumonia, which happens a lot in people with dementia. And I had read that CBD helps morphine work better. And so we gave my mom three milligrams, just rubbed into her gums between her lip and her gums. Um, and it helped the morphine work better so much that her, that really labored breathing was calm and smooth, more like, more like the sound of the ocean in and mm -hmm. out smooth. I did have to give it to her once an hour. Um, but you know, that was cool. Didn't need to uh, give her any more morphine, which is yeah. what we were trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So she stayed on the low dose of morphine and a little tiny bit of CBD in addition, and it really, really helped. But during our time um, with her at home, we used um, that high THC oil because that's what was available to us. Now, I wanted to ask you before you yes, go further, further here, Stella, what did you notice when you started giving her the stuff that you really had no idea what it was except high THC? What were, yes. what were the changes that you saw in her? She was a lot calmer. She was a lot more focused. She was able to sit and watch a television show and laugh at the jokes. She was able to eat finger food from a plate, whereas before that was not happening. I would have to help feed her. She started dressing herself again. I would lay her clothes out and she would put her clothes on. I mean, we regained like two years of skills. Sleep. Um, her sleep was amazing. She slept the whole night because we did have one prescription medication still on board for sleep, but combined with the cannabis, it kept her asleep in bed till at least six or seven in the morning from about nine or 10 at night, which is what you need. You know, as a family mm -hmm. caregiver, also you need a full night's sleep because listen, you know, with, with dementia in my family, the way it is, I'm very concerned about my own sleep yeah. because sleep is essential in preventing dementia. Mm -hmm. So everybody in the house has to sleep. And now my dad is living with dementia. Wow. And <laughs> round two. And round two. Yeah. And we are certainly shortcutting our learning curve. I mean, since my mom passed, we've written our book, CBD for Seniors, 12 Things to Know When Trying CBD or Medicinal Cannabis to Ease Symptoms of Aging and Improve Brain Health. Um, it's a small study guide style book 
that people can get on Amazon that basically aggregates our most important and relevant studies that show people how really it helps with dementia and symptoms of aging. And really that we just, you know, as we as we were using it with mom is when we were starting to learn more and more about all the research that was being done around mm-hmm. dementia and uh, that had been done. Yes. I have uh, a four inch binder full of all the studies that show how beneficial cannabis is for all the symptoms of dementia. Yep. Yeah. How did your dad react to your treatment of your mother with cannabis? Well, they had been divorced already quite some time. Oh, Okay. Um, and they also were cannabis users previously. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't shocking or weird or strange. Yeah. That's why, that's why when the doctor said, oh, you can't use cannabis because she had been using. That was shocking. She was just, she would use smoke (laughs) a little at night for her gallbladder, her mom made it for pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the doc, that's when the doctor said, oh, you got, you have to stop, you can't use marijuana, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but no, but he was very helpful. He actually was, uh, he was part of our, yeah, yeah, dad was part of our care team for Mm -hmm. the first few years with mom while she was at home. Because I was off working out of state, so he was here. He would um, come and and be here for several months at a time to help. Yeah, and uh, and he you know he helped he helped administer that with the shakes mm-hmm. and you know occasional joints here and there until she tried to light her fingernail on fire. Yeah, and then, then the smoking went out the window. Very problematic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we just went with the oral. <laughs> so Always you, under supervision. Were you able to? Were you aware of CBD and what that did in the time that you were treating with your mom, or did that come later? That definitely came later. We are longtime cannabis users and as such really do believe that THC is medicine. Um, When CBD first came on the scene, we thought it was snake oil uh, because we were ignorant. We didn't know anything about it really. And since then, of course, we've become healer certified. We've taken all the classes at the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. We've read all the books. We do highly recommend the Reader's Digest Essential Guide to CBD for anybody who may need to learn a little bit more about how beneficial CBD is. I mean, it's so incredibly helpful for anxiety. Um, It even uh, is necessary in dozens and dozens of cancers to create apoptosis. So CBD is an amazing, amazing thing. However, we have learned in our journey that it's not great for every single person. Some older women don't do well with CBD and they just need small amounts of THC instead to get that anxiety relief and symptom relief that maybe others get with CBD. Why do you think that, that is? That's such a good question. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody knows. knows. Even the doctors, yeah. Bonnie, even Bonnie Goldstein, all that we interview uh, for the podcast that we've interviewed, mm-hmm. talk about it. And it's yeah. really, everybody's different. Everybody's ECS is different. Yeah. Uh, endocannabinoid tone is something that Bonnie Goldstein refers to a lot. Mm-hmm. And everybody's system is just, you know, everybody's a little bit different and everybody reacts differently. Yeah. And also the, the molecules themselves are um, what you call biphasic. You know, they can just on their own, you, a lower dose of THC can Maybe create the, the perfect result where if you add more THC, it can make it actually make pain worse in mm-hmm. some, in some cases. So everybody's different. Everybody, that's why I start low, go slow, find your ideal dose on all of it, CBD mm-hmm. and THC. Because, um, and really you just got to, you know, be willing, be willing to to experiment uh, experiment and adjust. The beauty of it is you have this natural plant, the molecule, none of the molecules are going to kill you. Mm -hmm. They've been trying to kill primates with THC for decades and still haven't been able to do it. Um, so, you know, we have a very forgiving molecule, very forgiving plant. Uh, but the research around low doses 
of both CBD and THC is, is really quite remarkable. We participate every month in the Healer uh, webinar Dr. S Dustin Sulak gives every month, and he goes over a lot of the m uh, most recent research and the low doses of THC, like ultra low, like ult, like micro like doses. You would are never think really showing remarkable results. So yeah, you you start low, you go slow with all of it, and you just find what works for you. Keep good notes. That's what we like to say in mm -hmm. our practice. Mm -hmm. Start low, go slow, keep track. You know, <laughs> to, you know, know what you're taking, and then you realize it how it feels yeah. later. Yeah. And, um, or what you observe yeah, in our you cases, you know, and, and a lot of people living with dementia, you just have to observe right. what's going on there. Um, the, um, the women, some of the women that we've worked with that don't do well with any CBD, it's very interesting. It's just, it's, it's wild because most people do so well with CBD. I mean, we really think of it as an essential nutrient, mm -hmm. you know, Tell how is you, go ahead, Corey. Thank you. I was going to anyway. <laughs> um, one of the things that we sort of touched on yesterday when we briefly spoke was uh, early diagnosis and also that there's these, the different pathways Alzheimer's takes and that we're able to block almost all of them. Could I get you to speak on that? Sure. Yes, absolutely. So Dr. Dale Bredesen wrote a great book called The End of Alzheimer's, and he details that there are 36 different pathways by which Alzheimer's takes a hold of the brain, all of which are changeable except one, which is our genetics. But the genetics don't express unless you have the right environment for that to happen. So a lot of it really has to do with insulin resistance and nutrition and lifestyle issues, um, reducing inflammation, getting adequate nutrition, getting good sleep, having regular moderate exercise, managing stress, you know, all the good things. So everybody who wants to try to prevent dementia, um, I always recommend, and I'm living it myself, is a low glycemic index diet, similar to what Dr. Uh, Dr. Um, Bredesen recommends, and also a very good CBD medical cannabis protocol. So I take one-to-one -one at bedtime. I want to make sure I have that good night's sleep. I'm a woman of a certain age, so the one-to-one -one also helps me with night sweats. Um, and, you know, it's, it's very, very beneficial. But if people are new to cannabis as medicine, it's always helpful to work with a coach or a knowledgeable doctor because most doctors don't learn about this in school. It's not taught in medical school. It's not required education. This basic biology, the endocannabinoid system, the master regulator of the body is not required education in biology class or medical school, not in Canada, not in America, not anywhere. So this is a big deal problem. Um, in California, uh, we do have um, Ryan's Law, which guarantees people's right, if they're dying, to access medical cannabis in hospitals, VA facilities, and nursing homes. Those are federally funded. So a lot of them get a little prickly about um, cannabis use in their facilities because they're worried that they may lose their funding. But this is not so. Never happened. Never happened. No. Um, the Center for Medicare Services actually wrote a letter to the senator who made the bill that, that allows hospice patients access to cannabis in these facilities. 
saying that this has never happened. They don't look for it. It's not a thing. So just relax. That's why the governor eventually signed it because he had vetoed it originally. Now, a second bill has come up and has been passed and I don't know if he signed it yet. It's on the desk. It's on the desk. I don't know if he signed it yet, but hopefully he will. But this expands Ryan's law to everyone over the age of 65. With a chronic condition. With a chronic condition. So So you don't have to be just have hospice, (laughs) be six months away from death. Now you can have Yes. Alzheimer's or some other chronic condition mm-hmm. in a federal facility, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to have cannabis medicine administered right. by your family. They, right. aren't, they aren't required to dispense. Uh, dispense, but your family can come in. And this mm-hmm. is what happened to us initially with mom is we had spent, you know, three years getting her off all of the drugs, uh, all of the black box drugs, and only on cannabis and a little bit of, of terazidone at night. Um, and she was great. She was doing awesome. We had been on an 18-month waiting list to get her into the top spa- spot here in California for um, uh, assisted living um, for Alzheimer's. And um, basically, we were honest with them and said, hey, we're not on any of these drugs anymore. She's just on this, and we will bring it in when these shakes three times a day. And they're like, no, you won't. <laughs> we're a federal facility. You won't be using that here. Uh, and this was yeah. uh, this was the Jewish home uh, here. And ironically, said, ironically, we said, well, you know, they used it in all of the facilities in Israel. Um, they're like, yeah, but this isn't Israel. <laughs> we're yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, Shella would continue to bring the shakes um, because we knew what was going to happen if we yeah. didn't. Yeah. Um, two weeks later, we got called into the office and they said, uh, we drug tested your mother. Knock it off. Knock it off. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't mm-hmm. do that anymore. Mm-hmm. We said, okay, well. Good luck. Guess what? Um, not very much long after that, on the way to lunch, she got bumped by somebody in a walker, turned around and slapped her, drew the foul. We got called into the office and they said, goodbye. You have to leave now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And they gave us a list of other Terrible, horrible, terrible places horrible to take places. her to. One of which was close to our house that she ended up with there. We didn't, we weren't honest with them about the medicine that we, we were using. We just kept it to ourselves. We just kept it to ourselves. And the staff kind of knew what was going on, but she was close enough that we were able to bring her her medicine every day. Um, and it was a don't ask, don't tell situation after that first, that first one. So hopefully now with this new law that's passed in California, that will not be a problem mm-hmm. and families can actually go in and administer this very easy to administer oil. Now that, you know, you don't have to smoke it. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that is not allowed mm-hmm. because of the smoking laws, yeah. but any oils or edibles can be administered, uh, by family members. Um, and the places have to allow it. Mm-hmm. And we're hopefully, hopefully the governor will sign it. Yes. Jello, one of the things I want to go back to, uh, which Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, and I think it's really, really critical based on the hundreds of interviews we've done, is a change of diet. We find and Corey finds that uh, people who change their diet and really have this desire they want to live, they Mm -hmm. don't want to eat junk food anymore. Yeah. When they change their diet, they feel so much better. The medicine works so much better mm-hmm. and uh, th- their life changes. Yes. I was watching a documentary the other night that says in the last 50 years, 90,000 new chemicals have been added into, mm-hmm. the, into our lives mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they haven't been tested. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely crazy. It is. 
It is, especially when they insist on the type of testing that they do for cannabis, right? Yeah, exactly. Something that's been around for thousands and thousands of years, never killed anybody. Yes. So diet is so essential. Um, The thing with people living with dementia is that 50% of the people who are living with dementia know that they have dementia and 50% of the people don't. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the 50% that don't know that they have dementia, like my mom, my dad, um, you know, you can't talk them into it. There's no, it just produces arguments. Mm -hmm. So at that point, we have to ask ourselves, would we rather be happy or right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, opt for happy um, because this is the situation that we're dealing with. Um, happy is good. And also with the, um, with the, uh, Dale Bredesen, he did, they did actually a For clinical me. trial, <laughs> a clinical trial with their, the protocol, which is basically a, you know, a, what they call a keto flex diet, mm-hmm. uh, 12, 12 hour fast. Minimum, minimum fast. Mm-hmm. Only what 15% of the people were able to actually yeah. Complete. Yeah. Actually follow through the protocol because it is, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough not to eat carbs. It's <laughs> tough not to, not to eat. You know, if you're not, especially if you don't remember, you don't remember yeah. you're not supposed to eat Definitely. for 12 hours or 15 hours. If you're in a controlled environment, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Similar with epilepsy and CBD and diet and ketogenic mm-hmm. diet. It's easier for um, children on a ketogenic diet to control ep- epilepsy because they're the food they're Their eating diet is, is controlled. relatively controlled <laughs> by the parents until yeah. they go to school. Until they go to school, yeah. and whereas adults, it's it, they call it the ketogenic diet is an onerous diet. For, <laughs> that's what my neurologist told me because I've started to have seizures as an adult now. Uh, I have definitely increased my CBD intake on the on the advice of Bonnie Goldstein, mm-hmm. but I, and I'm also working on it and doing a ketogenic diet. Yeah. But uh, my neurologist says that 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 diet is so onerous that it's hard <laughs> for adults to stay on. And that's what Dale Bredesen found in his trial. The people who were able to stick with it reversed their yeah. cognitive impairment, reversed it. I mean, yeah, we're talking years yeah. of cognitive impairment yeah, reversed. Yeah. But the trouble is being able to stay on the mm-hmm. protocol. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I find, I find that the, I find it the easiest thing in the world. I've never eaten breakfast. I find breakfast, <laughs> uh, when I eat breakfast, I feel logy and tired mm-hmm. all day. So I mm-hmm. go anywhere from 14 to 16 hours without yeah. food. Perfect. Me too now. Yeah. Excellent. I never nice. thought I could do that. I never thought yeah. I could go 24 hours, 12 hours even without eating. Three now days. it's no problem. Yeah. It really yeah, is. Yeah. Historically, we didn't eat breakfast. Breakfast exactly. was right. breakfast was something that Kellogg came up with in order yes. to sell cereal. <laughs> yes, that's most important food. meal of the day, according to their study. That's, that's who came up with the food pyramid. That's why yeah. grains are on the bottom. I mean, they're on, on, the, on the, yeah, the, 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 most. Bottom, the most. Yeah, the exactly. most. Yeah. The base, yeah. The basis of it. Well, I am very uh, like case or an individual or somebody mm-hmm. you run across that stands out more than the others and, and what you observed happen with them? They all stand out. I mean, the, the, the change is dramatic. During the pandemic, when the industry, the film industry shut down, we had this opportunity to work with a cannabis startup in Northern California that was developing, um, sorry, delivering blister pack pill card um, of cannabis oil capsules 
And half of the patients were using a 20 to 1 CBD, 20 milligrams, 1 milligram THC. And the other half were using 1 to 1, 5 milligrams CBD, THC. And just depending on what was going on with the patient, obviously the doctor, you know, recommended one or the other. And 201, they all improved dramatically, dramatically. So, I mean, you just have to find the right dose for your person. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the women that we worked with recently, 90 years old, definitely had dementia, um, was actually doing medical aid and dying. And, um, she, <laughs> she did not do well with CBD. She became violent and angry and ornery and terrible with CBD, but with a small amount of THC, she was great. Totally cool. No problem. All was well. So that, that was a standout um, and a surprise, uh, even though I knew because we'd interviewed on our podcast, Cannabis Helps Dementia, um, we'd interviewed um, nurse practitioner Eloise Thiessen, who told us a similar story of one of her patients early on that that happened to. So I was well aware that that could happen, but it just hadn't happened in hundreds of people that we worked with. So it didn't you know, occur to me until, oh, oops. Uh, yeah. So we definitely want to discontinue the CBD. The caregiver can take it. And then the person living with dementia could use the small amounts of THC. Um, you know, in our, in our circumstances, mm-hmm. um, without yeah. CBD and THC on board, it's impossible, impossible mm-hmm. to have any sort of quality of life. So, um, you know, I mean, Stephen Barbieri, who we interviewed for the podcast, he lives with TBI, um, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy from being hit in the head type of dementia. Yeah. And um, he, I met him because he was giving a talk uh, in Sacramento to the Alzheimer's Association Lobby Day participants. There were 300 people present in this room. And he was talking about the importance of early detection and um, – and, and exercise and diet. And he gave mm-hmm. this brilliant speech and he'd already had dementia for like nine years. And my mom had just died. And I was like, wow, he's doing amazing. And so I went up to him afterwards in my bright green jacket with my floral shirt, my cannabis earrings. And I walked <laughs> up to him with my four inch thick binder full of studies. And I said to him, hey, have you ever thought about using CBD? And he said, oh, yeah, my wife won't let me go a day without it. Uh, And I said, but you didn't want to mention it to the 300 people here? And he said, oh, no, I wanted to be invited back. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So the Alzheimer's Association has testified before Congress multiple times that cannabis is actually bad for people living with dementia. And it's very problematic because when people are diagnosed with dementia, they will go first things first to mm-hmm. the Alzheimer's Association website. Yeah, and if they say it's bad, that's right. And we we yeah. continue to because we you know we we work in the uh, dementia space uh, with helping caregivers. We give a virtual dementia tour, mm-hmm. um, you know, and but we also you know during those tours we also communicate what we also know works which is cbd and other and and with the and the response we get is really remarkable from the people many are like oh yeah absolutely we're using it too mm-hmm. and yes oh it's great to know blah 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 but we were literally uninvited 
to do these virtual dementia tours anymore from the hospital Mm -hmm. because we talked about CBD. The hospital that recommends CBD to their people living with dementia. So we just we don't want you volunteering to do this great virtual dementia tour, which is phenomenal for caregivers to learn about what it's like to walk in the shoes of somebody with dementia for eight minutes. Um, but we don't want you to do that anymore because you're talking about CBD. Yeah. So it's perfectly it's the legal. Stigma, the stigma is well, you know, nice and strong wow, here very in California strong. still. But people do not have to wait. They can start today to get relief from the symptoms of dementia. Dr. Ethan Russo's review article from 2018 called Cannabis Therapeutics and the Future of Neurology gives a great breakdown of all the different terpenes and molecules and the different symptoms that they relieve. So if people are curious, they can go to that um, that article and check it out and start working with their loved one living with dementia. Top of the list is agitation and sleep. Yes, is really the 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 things that it affects, you know. If and then of course the appetite, the, the inflammation, the, you know, the stuff you can't see it in mm-hmm. neuroinflammation, pain, uh, you know, the stuff that that's going on cellularly speaking. In fact, one of the episodes of our podcast, we interviewed Dr. Babak Baban, who is a researcher in um, Georgia, and he was researching these five FAD, familial Alzheimer's disease mice, the most difficult type of Alzheimer's to treat um, Mm -hmm. with the worst type of symptoms. And when he received these mice, they were adult mice and these mice were walking around in circles because that was their behavior, their self-soothing behavior. And he started injecting these mice with CBD isolate, which is not my favorite, but I do understand why they use it for experimentation. So they started injecting, uh, injecting the um, mice with, um, the CBD equivalent to three to 400 milligrams in people. They did that over a two week period every other day. And the study design, they had to sacrifice the mice and and look at their brains. Well, these mice who had genetically predisposed holes in their brain had growth, had neurogenesis. Oh, their their behavior, their behavior during the two weeks, they started Not walking around in circles. They They started socializing with the other mice. Yeah, started Uh, living normal mouse lives. And then when when they sacrificed them and looked at their brain, the parts of the brain that they were genetically grown not to have was growing. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was, it's just For our listeners, can you explain what neurogenesis is, please? Yes, yes. Neurogenesis makes your brain grow. It, the 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 synapses and connections grow when you have neurogenesis and CBD and THC both uh, provide neurogenesis according to United States Department of Health patent six six three zero five zero seven B one. An announcement brought to you by David. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the tattoo I would get if I ever got a tattoo. But, um, Yeah, that was the study that really blew my mind wide open because the study took place in 1997. The patent was granted in 2003. And doctors in California, the state, it was the study was done at UC Irvine, are still not required to learn about the endocannabinoid system. And I hope to change that next session. No, it's sad, isn't it? It's it's really, really sad. The medical profession is, um, I saw a clip of a a fellow and he said, I will not go to a doctor if I don't feel well. I won't go to a doctor for my health care. But if I break my arm or need uh, a 
a heart replacement or a heart issue, I'll mm-hmm. go to a, I'll go to a doctor. He says, because all they do is prescribe pills mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's, that's all they do. And yep. uh, I think it's, it's sad that the endocannabinoid system, which we all have, isn't taught in medical school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a crime. Do doctors yep. are doctors in California becoming more aware of the use of cannabis for health benefits? They are aware that more people are using cannabis, but the dominant paradigm is, oh, everybody's going to the hospital and it causes psychosis. And a neurologist at the emergency room where we went with Dave when he had his first seizure, was very stern and told us that cannabis, even CBD, causes seizures. And I, it was everything I had in me to just keep my mouth shut and smile and nod at the she woman. Got, she got Dustin Sulak on the phone. Immediately, first thing. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I know this isn't true, but what's going on here? He's like, okay, very, very high doses in mice may cause seizures of THC. But guys, in we, the we United know C- States, CBD has been approved. CBD is as FDA an anti-seizure medication, <laughs> epi- an, epidiolex. You know, yeah. and this neurologist who was fresh out of school yeah. did not know anything about it. And, and, then, so, and the neurologist at St. Joseph's, the other hospital that I ended up with uh, at, at the second time, um, they said they actually recommend CBD for uh, their seizure patients. Just depends. And it depends the, and, on the and individual. I, I think I talked to four neurologists over that period, and I mm-hmm. and our, when I was starting these, and I said I'm, gonna, I'm starting to take CBD too, and they're like, they're, they're that's fine, that's fine, we don't have mm-hmm. a problem with that. So more and more uh, doctors are like for, like oncologists. You know, that's one of the things. You know, for as far like with cancer, they know can't, uh, THC has been approved for nausea. For side effects of, uh, of, 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 you know, sort of standard of care, it's used for that. So they're, all, they're on board that. There's the synthetic versions that are available in both Canada and America. Uh, it looks like they're going to reschedule here to Schedule 3. Oh. Um, that may happen, which is going to open the door for a one-to-one. Even though we really need descheduling, yeah. at least people mm-hmm. in Canada can access Sativex somehow, some way, that is an excellent medicine for people living with dementia. And if they're living in a, a, a facility that only allows certain things, Sativex is a great option for people living with dementia. Um, Dave, tell me yeah. about your your personal issue. Oh, uh, well, um, good question. Uh, it started June 1st. I had my first seizure. Um, they wanted immediately to put me on Keppra. Like you said, um, the first thing they want to do is get you on a drug. Um, but they, we weren't really sure, you know, what was going on at all. And they still don't, they still haven't been able to actually diagnose what's causing this. Um, we have an idea. We have, yeah, they, they did find a, in one of the MRIs, uh, the current current neurologist I'm seeing at UCLA, they said, oh, we find out, we found an ovoid mass which is 95% chance benign. Most of them are. And it's perfectly normal for older people to get these. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know any older person with a perfectly normal mass. And um, they <laughs> said, Chella said, Chella said uh, could that be causing the seizures? And he said, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're like, well, let's look further into <laughs> that. Into the mass. <laughs> and see what's going on. Because it's technically, they can't technically call it epilepsy because that's more than one seizure in 24 hours. And I've had three seizures over three know, months, three month period. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm on a 
more Keppra and higher CBD um, uh, per, and, Bonnie, per Bonnie Goldstein. And CBG mm. with CBD during the day because we know that that shrinks masses right. in the brain. Yes. And then at night, about 250 milligrams of one-to-one CBD THC <laughs> because that also shrinks masses. So we're doing all the different things to shrink this ovoid mass. And I'm hoping that by the time we have imaging again, uh, mm-hmm. end of the year, or maybe beginning of next, that the ovoid mass will be gone. And then we will start titrating down on the Keppra and see how we do, because I really do believe that that's the cause, because who goes their whole life without having any problems, and then all of a sudden you just have this thing. And one of the yeah. side effects of Keppra is seizures. So yes. you know that's and suicidal ideation. We don't need either. And of those depression things. and a whole bunch of psychological yeah. issues, and we don't need any of that. Yeah, you so, don't need any of that. Yeah. So and, yeah. And to be clear, Dave had had no cannabis or any substances the day, the mornings that he had those seizures. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we thought of everything. We asked all the doctors. Um, we're members of the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. Oh, and back to your point, Ian, about um, our doctors learning more. Mm-hmm. Some of them are. So the Society of Cannabis Clinicians is growing. Um, it's a great organization based in Northern California. It was started by Dr. Todd McAria, Dr. Jeff Hergen, rather, and others. Dr. Todd was Dennis uh, Perone's um, doctor in his dispensary in San Francisco during the height of the AIDS crisis, which is why we have a medical cannabis industry at all, is because of the efforts of these people. And Dr. Uh, Micaria actually was a psychiatrist. And when he was working at the National Institutes of Mental Health here in America, um, he discovered that there were many, many studies on cannabis from 1839 to 1972 that were hidden away (laughs) and they were locked up in the National Institutes of Mental Health. So he took them home and he made them into a book. Um, Similar to the Pentagon Papers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's called the Marijuana Papers. He snuck them out. Yes, exactly. And copied them and put them in a book. And he is just fire. So he started the, the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. They're a wonderful organization. They had their first symposium uh, just the beginning of September uh, for the first time. And then there's another, um, uh, there are a few other conferences throughout the year, the Cannabis Science Conference, CanMed, um, and a few others that include medical tracks. So more and more people, but you know, I don't know if you folks have found this as well, but I found that people who've used cannabis throughout their life don't exactly think of it as medicine. They mm-hmm. have a hard time crossing over from fun to actual medicine. Have you found that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting mm-hmm. you mentioned Ethan Russo because we interviewed him about six years ago yes, and yes. A- asked him about uh, the comment that the medical profession has that there needs to be more study of cannabis and he said, you know, there have been 10,000 studies of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you've, you held up that book there that, I mean, it's, it's like, that's the dementia book. Yeah. The do. dementia book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need more studies. Yeah. And on, <laughs> can, and on cancer, yeah. cancer, it's one of the most, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, so it's, well it's studied. Nuts. Yeah. It's yeah. the problem is most of them have been defined harms and they haven't been able to. And then, but now hope, you know, hopefully with this, you know, that's the one advantage to a rescheduling. Well, there's a couple of advantages. I don't know. But uh, more research, 
uh, for the benefits. Yeah. Be easy, easy exactly. to be done. I mean, it's technically legal in Canada. I haven't seen any great revolution of doctors being required to take the classes or learn anything. No. Have you? No. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Se- was no. it 17 years on average before the mainstream medical will, ad- will adopt the adopt new thing? Except new thing. for this most recent issue that yeah. we all had. That mm-hmm. happened at lightning speed. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Guys, it's – uh, <laughs> it, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. We're going to have to have uh, you back because yeah. Uh, yeah, we could go on for hours. No, we could go for days. Really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If anybody's, if anybody wanted to reach out to us, of course they can reach us at coachcella.com and then the the website. Uh, I'm sorry the the uh, podcast Cannabis Helps Dementia is of course available 24 seven on yeah. all of this, all of the podcast uh, servers. Yeah. yeah, check that out and then Chella, the name of your book, please. Ah, uh, yes. CBD for seniors, 12 things to know when trying CBD or medicinal cannabis to ease symptoms of aging and improve brain health. A long name for a small book. If you typed it in on Amazon as CBD for seniors and then like my name or 12, you mm-hmm. get it. It would come right yeah. up. Guys, Guys, it's it's amazing having you on. This has been um, a really great conversation. Uh, We definitely have to have you back for sure. We'd love to come back anytime. We would love to. We love what what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, education is the key. It is. Everybody says it. um, And we just have to keep plugging all along at that. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this, guys. Thank Thank you you so much. Have a great day. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already, and we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. That helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. 
Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.